All right, we're all on the same page. Would you join me in the book of 2 Peter? If you are new this morning, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're in a series um, called It's Grow Time. It's time to grow. And we're walking through Peter's second letter, what we know in our English Bibles as 2 Peter. And we're in chapter 2 this morning. And if you take out your bulletins, there's a place for notes and there's a verse up there. Did you see that verse? A dog returns to its own vomit, and a pig, after a sow, after washing itself, returns or wallows in the mud. So we're going to talk about vomit this morning. Amen? All right. I was a youth pastor for 18 years. I, um, I miss those years. I love those years because you can say things in that setting that you can't say up here. I'm going to say it anyways. When I didn't want to do something, when something was really, uh, I would say I'd rather puke and suck it up with a straw than do that. Yes, I said that. Okay, are you all paying attention now? Okay, we're talking about, we're going to talk about vomit a little bit later. But before we get there, because we need context for that, right? Why in the world are we talking about that? Join me in 2 Peter chapter 1, the last verse of chapter 1, and let's start there. Peter says this. He says, first of all, there's some things you need to understand. You need to know this. You should know this, that no prophecy of Scripture, the Word of God, comes from one's own interpretation or from the will of humanity, of mankind, because no prophecy ever came by the will, the determination of man. Instead, men spoke from God. Think about that word men, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, think about those Moses, right? The, the, the authors that God used to record our scriptures, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Covenant, our Old Testament. Men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But, this is something else you need to know, there were also false prophets among the people. You may not know some of those names as well. But as you read through the Old Testament, you find some of those names of people that said, this is what God is saying, thus saith the Lord, and they weren't speaking for God. It was a reality for the people of that time, and notice what he says, just as there will be false teachers among you. This is written in the first century, it was true then, and it's true now. There are false teachers, there are people that are teaching things in the name of God, saying this is what God wants, this is who God is, and they are not speaking for God. We might be more aware of them now than any other time before because we have access to them, don't we? We have access to so many more voices. Now, Matt, I almost said Master Pat. Pastor Matt, last week we talked about this, that he's not talking about people outside of thus saith the Lord. He's not talking, Peter's not addressing, there's people in the world that say things that are not true. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about people who claim to be speaking in the name of God. They claim to be followers of God, teaching on behalf of him. So it's coming from within Christianity, from within the church. Are you encouraged? No. But it, do, do you agree that that's a reality? Of, of what, we, what we need to address today. There are people who say, thus saith the Lord, and they are not speaking from God, for God. 
There were false prophets then. There are false teachers today. And this is a short letter. It, it, it struck me this week as I was preparing that he's taken a significant amount of his letter. Remember, it started with Peter saying, I'm not long on this earth. I'm not long on this earth. I've got a short amount of time. So here's what I want to tell you. With that reality, knowing that I'm going to be gone, I want you to be able to follow Jesus, be disciples who make disciples. I want you to be able to do it in the day in which you're living. So I want to equip you. So here's my last words. Here's the, I just got a little bit of time, so here's what I want to tell you. And in the middle of this letter, he takes a significant chunk, portion, to say, watch out, or warning, deception ahead. Watch out that there were false prophets in what we, of that era in the Old Testament, and there will be false teachers among you now. You know, Jesus talked about this. You remember this? Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, as he walked this earth in human form, he said this, beware of false prophets. Watch out for those who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravaging wolves. They're not, a, they're not what they appear to be. They come saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm a follower of Jesus. I am a teacher. I speak for God. Look, I'm a sheep just like you. Jesus says, watch out, beware, because there will be people who come to you in this pretense. I'm, I'm a part of you. I'm just like you. I'm a sheep. But internally, inwardly, when you remove that deception, they're really wolves. And here's how you're going to know them. Here's how you're going to recognize them. You're going to recognize them. You're going to be able to identify who the false teachers are by their fruit. Let me ask you a question, Jesus said to that audience. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Do you go into your backyard and go, oh, look at those weeds. Hey, there's grapes there. And you pick grapes from them? Or do you pick figs from thistles? Does anybody go and try to pick a pomegranate from your apple tree? Would you tell us that you did that if you did that? No, you wouldn't. You're just now realizing you shouldn't do that and you're going to keep it to yourself. In the same way, this is a picture that helps us understand. In the same way, Jesus says, every good tree produces good fruit. But a bad tree, a tree that is not healthy, it's not what it should be, produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good free fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit, here's God's perspective, is cut down. It's dealt with. And it's thrown into the fire because that's what it's good for. If it's not going to produce the fruit that it's supposed to produce, then it's going to be cut down and throw in, thrown in the fire. This is how you recognize the, sh the, the, the wolves in sheep's clothing. This is how you recognize false teachers by their fruit. So there's a, this is where we need to start. And we're going to now look at Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. But this is where we need to start. False teachers try to hide their identity. They try to present themselves as something that they're not. Okay? That's where we've got to start. That's, that, is it not a wise thing to do that when you start listening to someone, to first try to determine if, in fact, they are genuinely who they say they are? Just because somebody has a radio program or a TV show or writes a book or has a podcast or has got YouTube videos and they say, I'm a pastor of a church. I hope that you don't go, oh, great. What do you got to say? I want, I want to hear what you have to say. Because look, they're sheep. Look, they're, they're 
Are you, are you tracking with me? Okay. And, and I hope you're not going, oh, he's being so critical. But that's not, don't, no, that's not the intent. That's not Peter's intent. Why did Jesus say, look out, there's people that look like sheep, but they're wolves, actually wolves? Do you remember the description that he used of wolves? They are, in fact, what? Ravenous. What does ravenous mean? They're hungry. There's something to take and write down a note, right? Right, take note of. That a false teacher isn't what he claims or she claims to be. They act like they're helping me, teaching me truth that's going to be helpful. But if they're a false teacher, they're really just ravenous. They're wolves and they want to devour. Hmm. Who said that? Was that, was that Master Pat? Who else do we know likes to devour? According to God's word. You said it, not me. False teachers tried to hide their identity. So how do we recognize a false teacher? Jesus said you, you look at the fruit of their life. Here in this text, Peter, he really wants to unpack this some more. Keep in mind that Peter heard Jesus say that, right? He was there in that moment and he heard Jesus say that. And he, he has already begun his, his warning, warning deception ahead. And he's begun to show us the reality of false teachers. And here in verse 10, he just... We broke this section in half for two weeks, but it's continuing of last week. He says, bold, verse 10, bold, arrogant people, these, these false teachers, they're bold and they're arrogant. The word arrogant literally means to be pleasing self. It's all about me. They're bold, they're arrogant people. They don't tremble. They have no fear of what they should have fear, no sense of respect. When they blaspheme, they do not tremble. They don't hesitate when they blaspheme the glorious ones. I believe he's speaking of eternal beings, the angels. It's the Greek word doxa, those who serve God. They, they, they speak badly of these other creatures. However, when you think about those angels who are greater in might and power than these false teachers, they don't bring a slanderous charge against them, against the false teachers before the Lord. But these people, these false teachers... They're like irrational animals. What do you mean by irrational animals? They're creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed. Now please, don't send me emails this week saying that I'm talking badly about your dog or about your cat or your bird or whatever it is you have. I'm not talking down about animals. God created animals and he created them beautifully and they're amazing. I love my, well, I shouldn't say I love my dog, but I kind of do love my dog, okay? I kind of, I get along really good with my dog and she really likes me. He's, he's not bad-mouthing this part of creation. What he's acknowledging is that they, they operate by the sense of instinct or their flesh, if you will. They're just physical parts. My dog, as much as I think she has emotions, and maybe she has some, and that she's smart, and you know she's a German shepherd, she's an amazing dog, but the reality is she wakes me up sometimes in the middle of the night, like 2 in the morning, just you know next to next to my bed and i let her out before i went to bed and we let her out in the morning and she'll ah, and i go oh, and i get up and i go downstairs and i open the back door and whoo, out she goes and she does her business we'll leave it at that and then she comes back in when i put the food out there she just like she you know she doesn't go hmm put on a couple extra pounds this week you know i'm kind of wide back here maybe i should lay off that no she and she and she eats it she, just, she, she has instincts, or she has just these patterns that God's put into her as, a, as an animal so that she can function, that she can live. 
but she's driven by those things. That's the most important things to her. And he says these, these, these false teachers, they're like, they're like animals. They're like this part of God's creation. They're creatures of instinct. They're born to be caught and destroyed or to be corrupted. They are, they are prone to just living by the flesh. And when you live by the flesh, you live by these instinctual appetites, then you set yourself up for destruction. They're creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. And they speak blasphemies about things they don't understand. And in their destruction, in their, literally means in their corruption, as they are seeking to corrupt or to do the things that they're doing, the wolves in sheep's clothing, ravenous wolves, as they do what they're doing, they too will end up being corrupted, destroyed, suffering harm, damage, as the payment, the consequences for unrighteousness. The wages of sin is death. Gift of God is eternal life. But the payment, the wages of sin, the, the consequences of going our own way, living a life of unrighteousness, there are wages, there's payment that comes. And here Peter describes it as destruction, corruption and destruction. It's a picture of this body that I'm in. It, it really is corrupted. It's just, it's just not what it was when I used to say I'd like to, you know, I'd rather puke and suck it up with a straw. When I was in my 30s, you know, everything was working the way it should. Mostly. Now, mostly not. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be uh, doom and gloom, but the reality, the corruption of sin is I'm, I'm experiencing it. That's the consequences of sin. And he says these, these false teachers, they're, 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 they're poster, you know, they're living examples of this, of when we choose to go our own way. And live a life of unrighteousness. The destruction, the corruption that they're intending to happen in the lives of other people is actually also happening in themselves. They're bearing the weight of that. Peter says they consider it pleasure. It's the Greek word that we get hedonistic from. They consider it self-pleasing, self-serving. To do what they do, to carouse, to openly live unrighteously in the light, in the daylight. They got no fear. He already said that, right? They got no fear of the consequences of how they're living and their spots and their blemishes. Uh, as I get older, that's one of the things part of... And we're just talking about all kinds of gross stuff today. Vomit and everything. You know, I, I get moles. I get things that, you know, I go to the doctor and, and, hey, can you get rid of that? You know, just as you age... Sorry, young people, not to discourage you, but... You know, many of us, we know what I'm talking about. There's these spots and these blemishes, things that happen. And you're like, ugh, that's out of place, right? That is, where did that come from? That doesn't belong there. I don't like that. He says that's what they are on the, on, the, on the body of Christ, the gathering of God's people, the church. They're like spots and blemishes. They're, ugh, they don't belong there. They delight. They find joy in deceiving other people. As they feast with you. Not on you like the ravenous wolves. Because remember they don't show up with. They don't come to a, a fellowship lunch. They don't come to Sunday morning. They don't come to an event dressed as a wolf. <laughs> you know. <coughs> Excuse me I shouldn't do that. They come dressed as a sheep. They look just like us. They sound in many ways just like us. We think oh they're safe. They're sheep like us. 
Do you get the sense that Peter really wants us to understand false teachers and what, who they are and what they're doing and why we need to know who they are? Do you get that? And we're not even done yet. He's got more to say. But let me say this, because I want us to be able to unpack this and, and, and apply it to our lives. Let me say it this way. False teachers proclaim freedom from rules and authority. As I studied this and I distilled it and I reflected on false teaching that I believe is, being, is, is predominant today, here's the message of a false teacher, and it sounds really good. False teachers proclaim freedom from rules and authority. You should be free to live life the way you want to live it. Look at how we're living. I'm telling you, there's nobody that should tell you what's best for you. You should make the rules for you. Who knows, best what, who knows better what's best for you than you, right? Can I get an amen? No, don't, 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 amen. don't amen. Only you know what's best for you. You make the rules. You deserve the freedom to live life on your terms. And if you don't like the terms, you don't like the rules, you don't like the expectations, rewrite them. Because you should be free to do what you want to do. All these people that are saying, don't do this and don't do that and don't live this way and show respect for this and stop doing that. Don't let, it, don't let anybody tell you who you are. Don't let anybody tell you who you should love. Don't tell, let anybody tell you what you should look like or who you should be. This idea that there's rules, there's design there's somebody saying, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. Don't let anybody force that on you. No one deserves your obedience, your respect, or your submission. Peter says, man, the way you guys are talking about God, talking about the angels, talking about his plans. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth has become, as it apparently was even in Peter's day, but it certainly is in our day, truth is subjective. Don't say amen to that. We each determine our own truth. You know what's best for you. Yeah, you had parents. Yeah, we have tradition. Yeah, we have orthodoxy. We have, but we know today, we know better than ever before that I should determine what's right for me. I know what I've inherited from my parents and from the word of God and from my family, my, parent, my, my family and even my, this church family, what marriage is. But you know what? I think marriage should be a little different. I think I should have freedom to have a girlfriend or two on the side. Now don't, don't just hear that part of the message. You're going to take that out of context. But are you tracking with me? That is the message of today, that we are the determiners of our destiny, of our future. Nobody knows better than me. You should be free to do what you want to do. There shouldn't be boundaries and limitations. There's a man who is no longer with us named Christopher Hitchens. He was one of the outspoken um, atheists, a new atheist was his title that he took uh, in recent years. Um, he, he passed away in 2011. In 2010, he received a cancer diagnosis, and he passed away in December of 2011. In October, two months before his death of that same year, he said this, speaking to a group of atheists, and there's, man, you're, 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 you're terminal, you don't have much life, time left on this earth, What's your message? We have the same job we always had. To say that there are no final solutions. There's no absolute truth. There's no supreme leader. 
There's no totalitarian solution that says if you would just give up your freedom of inquiry, if you would just give up, if you would just simply abandon your critical faculties, stop thinking, the world of idiotic bliss can be yours. That's a false teacher. Now, he's not claiming to be a Christian, but someone who is saying, you should have the freedom to do what you want. All this stuff that you've heard from the church, from God's word, from parents or other people, youth leaders that have spoken to your life and said, this is right, this is wrong. Here, here are the boundaries. Here's how you should live. Live between the lines because God is good, he's love, and he wants what's best for you. So live according to this truth. That's baloney. You should have freedom to live life the way you want to live life. Peter says false teachers are going to proclaim freedom from rules and authority, but here's the truth. False teachers only care about their own freedom or their own freedom to do what they want. They only care about themselves. And if there is someone teaching and they're dressed as a sheep, but underneath Jesus says they're really wolves, never forget how he described the wolf. They're ravenous. They're looking to satisfy their own desires, their own needs. That's where all of their words are coming from. They want to use us. They want to feed on the sheep to gratify themselves. Verse 14. They have eyes full of adultery. And they're always looking for sin. They're always looking for the opportunity. They seduce unstable people. Don't miss that. They're looking for people that they believe are unstable, not solid, not deep faith, deep roots. They're looking for people they can seduce. People who have hearts that are trained in greed. They are children under a curse. They've gone astray by abandoning the straight path. Remember those boundaries, those rules, the path that Jesus talked about? The path, don't miss it, the path that they understand and they know. They know about this path. They've abandoned the straight path and they've followed the path of Balaam. And Peter's going to give us an Old Testament example. Remember Balaam, the son of Bosar, he loved the wages of unrighteousness. He hired himself out to the highest bidder to, to proclaim curses on people. He knew God. He was a prophet of God. That's how he's described. But he saw it as an opportunity to make money. And he received a rebuke for his transgression, for his unrighteousness. Do you remember what happened? Peter says, let me remind you, a donkey that can't normally talk spoke with a human voice. Man, I wish I could preach on that. that, that I, that's, that's one of those scenes that I want to I see on video. You know, I want to see, see Balaam's face when the donkey turns around and goes, excuse me, and he talks to him. He couldn't talk, but he got, God gave him a human voice, and he restrained the prophet's irrationality. God used a donkey, a biblical donkey, to get Balaam's attention. These people... These people, that's who, that's who these people are, and they're like springs without water. They, they present themselves as a source of water, as a source of truth. Oh, I'm going to get refreshed. But instead, there's no water. They're just like mist driven by the whirlwind. They don't benefit anybody. The gloom of darkness has been reserved for them. For by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery. People, their target is people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. People that have come to an understanding, people that have begun to see, they maybe even have put their faith in Jesus. They've begun to see the truth. But they don't have deep roots. They're unstable. 
They're vulnerable. And these false teachers recognize those people. Can, without, without distracting us too much, can you think of things that you've seen on TV where teachers are up front, teachers are on a stage and they're proclaiming something, and you look at that audience and you can, you can identify people in that audience. That I've, I've done it and I feel bad for them. They're vulnerable, they're unstable, they're looking for hope, they're looking for an answer to something that they're facing in their life. And that false teacher up front is, is preying on them, preying on that instability pulling them into their deception so they can use them, feed on them, prey on them. People who barely escape from those who live in error, they promise them freedom. The false teachers promise their audience freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Same as before when we talked about destruction or corruption. They're already trapped by their own corruption. They themselves are slaves of corruption since people are enslaved. Peter is saying through the Holy Spirit, we are enslaved to whatever defeats us, whatever overcomes us. If you have a habit or you have a practice that you know is not right in your life and you're giving yourself to it in the flesh, that becomes your master. Didn't Jesus say you can't serve two masters? Quit saying that you love God and serve him and yet you really love money or entrapped by money or lust or pride or anger, whatever it is. Because you can't serve two, you're going to have one master. And these false teachers have a master of greed and selfishness. And Peter just reminds us the reality is whatever we give ourselves to, we become enslaved to. And that defeats us, overcomes us. And that is the heart of a false teacher. Whether or not they even recognize it in themselves, but that is what they're hoping to do to you and to me. Let me say it this way. Every false teacher promises an easy road, a wide road, where everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. You deserve answers. You, de- you deserve the affirmation of your choices. Have you heard that lately? I deserve to be affirmed in the way that I'm choosing to live my life, the direction of my life. Even if I have from God clear instructions, clear direction of this is how he wants me to live. This is how he wants me to love and serve my wife. This is how he wants me to walk this earth as a man. This is what should consume my thoughts and this is what should not. This is how I should treat my enemies. This is how I should live above reproach. Has he not given us clear instruction? I would argue with you that he does. He has. And yet the false teacher says, you know what? That's so narrow. That's so... I mean, come on. That's the only way? No. The way is wide. Everybody's welcome. You're freed. Come, come as you are. Oh, I know what you're, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're sensing because I'm there too. And you're welcome as you are. Bring, just come, Jesus loves you as you are. He made you this way. He made whatever you want to fill in the blank there. Just come as you are. There's freedom. There's an easy road, it's a wide road. The ultimate goal in life is what? Happiness. Come on now, church. Agree with me? You want to say an amen there? Is the ultimate goal of my life for me to be happy? The false teacher tells me it is. If you just do this, you will. If you, usually, it's if you'll just send me this amount of money, then 
I spend frequent trip. I go on frequent visits to Eastern Africa, and I'm telling you, just about every preacher from the pulpit, every television show is touting some mess, some version of, if you just buy this for me, if you just touch this, if you just pray over this, if you pour this on your food, then you're going to have, so you just got to buy this for me, and then life's going to be good. You're going to be wealthy, you're going to have health, whatever. The goal of life is to be happy. This, this, this message that you've been told from the word of God, no, it's been taught to you wrong. And they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. The message of a false teacher sounds really good. On the surface, it sounds, it's appealing. But what does it appeal to? It appeals to my, my flesh. It certainly does. Happiness is giving into your desires. What you, I'm, a, I'm a, a teenager of the 70s. If it feels good, all right, some other teenagers from the 70s. But here's the truth. False teachers only care about how they can use you to get what they want. It is all about them. It is not about the sheep. Verse 20. For if having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this has happened. After this has happened, they then are again entangled. They choose to go back to these things, these fleshly desires, the, the corruption of this world. If they go back again and are involved, entangled in these things, and they're defeated, they're overcome by them, their last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, not to have understood the narrow path that Jesus talked about, than after knowing it, having, having hearing it, being exposed to it, understanding it, to then turn back from the holy command that had been delivered to them. It has happened to them. Here's the reality, and Peter's going to quote from Proverbs, and here's my promise to talk about vomit. It's happened to them according to the true proverb in, in Proverbs 26. A dog returns to its own vomit. Anybody experienced that? I have. I've seen it. Or my dog, my dog eats kitty stuff. My brother calls it kitty roca. You know the little almond roca? <laughs> I let my dog in the front yard and she will zhoop right to that part of the flower bed and she's digging. Like, what are you doing? And there's a little kitty roca. What? A dog will throw up because of upsetting their stomach and then they'll go back later and they'll, like, what? A pig, after being washed, goes back to the mud. Here's how it says it in Proverbs 26. As a dog returns to his own vomit, a fool repeats his foolishness. I mean, come on, church. That pile of vomit, I know what that is. I'd be nuts. Come on. I double dog dare you. Come on, you know. I'd be crazy to go, oh, oh, that's better the second time than the first. What? He says they're, 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 they live out this proverb that after knowing the truth, after knowing the blessed command, after understanding the path that Jesus has made possible for us, the truth, they choose to go back. Let me say it this way. Excuse me. False teachers present a new spin on an old lie. Here's the big takeaway for me this week as I prepared and as I just asked God to work in my life 
The, the, the truth is, there's no new tools of Satan. There's no new lies. They're just kind of spun a different way. They just have details added that make sense to us because of our current culture, right? Solomon wrote all those thousands of years ago, it's like a dog returning to its own vomit. Peter said, this, it's, it's, it has, it's unchanged. Their lie is the, it's the same lie. It's just spun in a new way. They promise freedom, but they deliver slavery. The end game is that they destroy, and they are destroyed themselves. Peter quotes in this text from his earlier part of his letter. He says his divine power, in chapter 1, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Here he says these teachers, they, they have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They have come to understand the truth. And the truth is, is understood and it's applied through a knowledge of Jesus Christ, an understanding of who Jesus is and why he came. And back in verse, chapter 1 he says this as well. These he's given to us. He's given us this through, with, with very great and precious promises so that through them we can share in the divine nature. And he's going to use the same phrase, escaping the corruption that is sin in this world because of evil fleshly desires. He says what the, the truth is what we've been given, this holy command, this understanding of the good news is that we can escape the corruption that we see all around us in this world. And it's going to come and we're going to experience it through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And these false teachers get that. And they know that and yet they choose to go back to the mud, back to the vomit, if you will. So Peter wrote this in his first letter. He says, hey, wake up. It's time to wake up. You've got to get serious. You've got to be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. False teachers are ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're looking for who they can devour. That was Peter wrote that. The truth is false teachers, I apologize for my sniffing, false teachers want to, well, let me say it this way, they want your company, they want you to join them in their destruction. They want, they want you with them. They don't want to be the path they're on alone. They want company in their own deception and destruction. So what do I need to learn? What do we need to learn from false teachers? You ready to write a couple things down? Maybe you do it on your phone, maybe you do it on that paper in the, in the bulletin, but please, I pray that you have listened to God. I pray that my voice has diminished and his voice has increased and you've heard God speaking to you. And with that context, that, that connection that you have with God right now, if you've listened to the Holy Spirit, he's leading you now to do something. He's asking us to take action. Let me give us some suggestions, some steps that we can take, lessons that we need to learn. Number one, freedom, true freedom begins with surrender. Freedom comes from letting go and surrendering to God. Surrendering to the one who loves me more than, than anyone else ever has or ever will. That goes against everything in my flesh. If I'm going to have freedom and do what I want, then I need to be in control. I need to be in charge. I need to decide what's best for me. Just telling you, that's how I think. But God tells me, and Peter challenges us here, no, freedom begins when you will, when you choose to surrender your will to God's will. 
When I say, okay, God, this message sounds good, or I think I'm going to be happy if I live this way, if I behave this way. But your word says that I should live this way, that I should treat people this way, that this is what I should live for. I want to live for myself. Won't that make me happy if I get to do what I want? And God says, nope. So now I'm faced with a choice. I'm going to go my way or go his way. Freedom is found. It begins when we surrender our will to him. Number two, you will only find life on the narrow path. We only will find life on the narrow path. Now again, it goes against everything in my flesh, right? I don't like the lines. If you've been here a while, you know one of my struggles is speed limit signs. I don't like them. I don't think they were thought through correctly. I like having vehicles that, you know, I like the sound. I, I'm going to have to adjust to electric. I get it. But as long as I can, you know, I drive a big truck with a big diesel engine, and I love the when I push on it. I love my wife's little car. It's fast. It's fun. I just want to be happy. Can't you, just, can't you just support me, guys? People, come on. Got to get an amen? All right. Wow, we really went south on this message. Okay. That's how I think. I, I should have freedom. I should be able to decide for myself. But Jesus said, Kurt, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad, broad that leads to destruction. That's the word Peter used here. And there are many who choose to go that way. How narrow is the gate? How restrictive? How absolute? And how difficult the road that leads to life. And few will find it. Can we just latch onto the words of our Savior? He is saying you're only going to find life on the narrow path. You're only going to find true life and freedom when you say, okay, God, your way, not my way. Number three, there's nothing new under the sun. We're not facing anything today. We're not hearing any message today that, we haven't, that humanity has not heard throughout the ages. So can we just get over ourselves, please? And I say that in love. I'm saying it to me. There, there, there is a need for the church, those who claim the name of Jesus, to stop complaining, and I'm sorry if this offends you. I'm going to say it anyways, and I do love you. But it's time for us to stop complaining and whining about what we're facing today and how hard it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're so frustrated with our government. We're so frustrated with what's happening in our world. And there's real pain and there's real harm and hurt that's happening in our world. Sin is having a heyday. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking to us. There's nothing new under the sun. We're not facing anything new that God hasn't asked his people to, to face before. Why is that important? Because until we come to terms that there's nothing new under the sun, we're going to be consumed with pushing back against all of these things instead of living out the joy, the grace, the peace, the love of God in our relationships and in our circles. And that's what our world needs to see. Peter is saying, watch out. There are people that are trying to get you off track. One of the ways we get off track is we get so wrapped up and consumed with the hard stuff and, the, and what we're facing that we cease to be the light and the voice of hope. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, and I, I close with this. He's talking about this idea of, of Christians just not realizing who they are in the moment that God's placed them. He says, we're half-hearted creatures. We're fooling around with drink, alcohol, and sex, and ambition. 
when infinite joy has been offered to us. We're like ignorant children who want to continue just to make mud pies in the slum because we can't imagine what is meant by his offer of a holiday on the beach. We are too easily pleased. We're too easily caught up with what we're looking for in this life, satisfying the flesh, satisfying what I want, my list of what's going to make me happy. Meanwhile, God says, you're, you're playing with this mud here and making these little... There's a beach, and there's an ocean, and there's an amazing creation that I want you to go there and just drink in who I am and what I have for you. God will deal with the false teachers in a way that I... It, it puts fear in me. It puts fear in me. God will deal with the false teachers. What is Peter saying to us? It's, it's time to grow. It's grow time. And it, it means you, you've got to recognize who the false teachers are. You need to identify why they are doing what they're doing and have nothing to do with them. In fact, surrender to God. Choose to walk the narrow path. There's, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't asked my people to do before. I'm still with you. My plans are good. Redemption is still unfolding. Do we believe he's coming back? So his plan's still intact. It's still happening. He's still good. And he still has you and me right here, right now, to live out his voices of hope where he's placed us in the circumstances he's placed us in. So let's stop playing with the mud pies. Let's start running down the beach with joy. Amen?